Hey guys, this is Mike Mahaffey, the old bastard BJJ guy, here for BJJ Mental Models. Back in my day, we had to walk uphill in the snow both ways to get to the academy just to learn some crappy technique from a random purple belt. You kids have it so easy, because now you can just subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium and get tons of great audio courses to learn new techniques, enhance your mindset, and entertain yourself. You can even get personalized rolling reviews from some of your favorite BJJ Mental Models coaches, including me. It's like having your own seminar, you spoiled little whippersnappers. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium right now, get off my lawn, and go train. Welcome to BJJ Mental Models, episode 67. I'm Steve Kwan. I'm Matt Kwan. BJJ Mental Models is your guide to a conceptual and intelligent jiu-jitsu approach. And it, by the way, if you guys have noticed that the sound quality is kind of all over the place in the last few episodes, it's because we keep getting kicked out of our recording studios. <laughs> yeah, we're all over the place as well. Yeah, so the backstory is, you know, we finally, finally, after... 40, 50 episodes set up the perfect recording studio in our folks' house. It was the only place where we could get peace and quiet and the acoustics were good enough. And then, of course, COVID-19 happened, so now we can't be around our folks. And we were uh, looking at a clubhouse at the area where I live. We have a, like a shared clubhouse we can use, but that's now under quarantine lockdown as well. So the last resort that we found in terms of a quiet recording studio is actually Matt's gym, which is closed. So it's like a ghost town in here. So we're basically squirreled away in his closet <laughs> recording yeah. the one of the world's top jiu-jitsu podcasts. Yeah. So what are we talking about today, Steve? Well, gratitude was something that you suggested. I think that's an awesome topic, especially in these challenging times. Uh, in the last episode, we talked about adversity. I mean, of course, all of us are going through adversity to some degree at this point in time, some of us more than others. But we should also probably talk about the flip side of that, which is being grateful for what you've got. Now, this is not like a COVID-19 podcast, so <laughs> we're not going to talk about this specifically in the context of current events. This is also something that is super critical in your jiu-jitsu journey and also in your day-to-day -day life. It's really easy to get bogged down in negativity and your personal shortcomings and what you want versus what you actually have. And gratitude is a practice that keeps you grounded and keeps you appreciative of what you do have in your life. And interestingly, by being appreciative, you develop a positive mindset, which actually helps you attain your goals elsewise. So over the next while, it's probably going to be challenging for a lot of us to get a lot of jujitsu done in person. But on the bright side, that does give us an opportunity to work on the mental game. So Matt, this was your topic. Why don't you kick it off and tell us your thoughts on gratitude? Did you say elsewise? I did say elsewise. It's, my word? it's not a word, but I, yeah. I use it anyway because... It, people think it might be a word, and so when I say it, they think, oh, man, this guy, he's using these really smart words, but it's actually all bullshit. That's so. <laughs> true. Uh, yeah, so gratitude. I mean, I, I kind of tend to think that there's generally two t types of people in life. Um, you know, one type of a person is appreciative of what they have, and, you know, they usually will work hard, and when they get when they get the payoff and, and they achieve a goal, they appreciate it. And, um, I, that's sort of, I think a more healthier way to go as opposed to someone who always wants more or 
always looks at what they don't have. And um, <clears throat> living your life through gratitude is a really healthy way to think, in my opinion. Um, being being appreciative of the things that you earn and, um, you know, never, never looking forward to the next. I mean, it is good to have goals and everything, but uh, never needing more or wanting more is a really important thing that, like you said, Steve keeps you grounded. I think, I think what's really beneficial for someone's, uh, mental being is to just know when enough is enough. And I don't mean like, Oh, I've, you know, I can, I can comfortably support my family. So I'm not going to strive for another goal or whatever. That's not what I mean. I think it's always important to set goals and to think of increments of, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years, just so you have a direction and you can train your, you know, you can train your uh, efforts in a, in a particular direction. But what I mean is not coveting things, not being envious. You know, you see somebody being really successful and, uh, and, uh, you know, not being happy for them. And I think that that's kind of a, a really, an ugly trait for someone to have is not to feel happy for someone. A prime example in jujitsu is, you know, if you're, if you're a gym owner, you're going to see, you're going to feel this in a lot of different ways. Like one example is, you know, if you see the gym down the street being really successful and you are envious of that, or you're upset that that gym's doing well, that's not a really healthy way to go. Instead, you should focus on what you're good at. Um, and the students that do stick with you and the people that support you should be, uh, you should have gratitude for those people. Um, and for example, you know, if you, if you have students that eventually tap you out, like at my school, you know, every now and then I get tapped out by some of my guys and they don't have to necessarily be high ranks either, mm -hmm. uh, in training, you know, it's, it's all over the place. You can get tapped a lot of different times. And, and if you're going to get pissed off about it or never let it happen, or, you know, maybe, uh, not help someone out as much because you're realizing that, Hey, they're getting pretty good. I better not show them more secrets and stuff like that. That's also really not good in a lot of different ways because, uh, you're, you're showing that person that, Hey, I'm not happy for you doing something well. It's, it's sending the vibe to your students that you're not a humble person. Mm -hmm. Um, and just for your own mental well being, you're just not going to have a good time. So it's better to just sort of take your ass kickings when they come, be happy for the person and, and be happy for the business down the street. That's also flourishing because, uh, you know, if jujitsu is doing well everywhere, then jujitsu is, uh, then everyone's doing good. Right? Yeah. One of the things that you said back in the early days of this podcast was that you've got to learn to be happy for other people. And that's probably one of the most insightful things that's ever been said on this show. So if there's something you want to take away from BJJ mental models, I mean, that's, that's basically the main thing. Uh, learning to be legitimately happy for other people is one of the most critical things for your own personal well-being. And in jiu-jitsu, that can be hard because this is fundamentally a competitive activity, right? I mean, even if you don't compete, the whole objective is to basically fight a person. So one way or the other, you know, one person is going to win and one person is going to lose. And learning to not just take your lumps, but to be happy about it is an acquired mindset. And I, I do yes. see this quite a lot. I mean, for example, I remember, you know, I, when I train with a lot of the white belts in my gym, they think it's hilarious when they get their ass kicked. They're like laughing about it because it's a learning opportunity. They don't have necessarily have their ego invested in it. And they take that opportunity to stop and ask questions about what just happened to them. But every once in a while, you spar with someone who's really like hyper competitive. And so I'll be in there with a white belt and I'll, I'll tap them in like 10 seconds and they'll like swear and they'll get a pissed off and then they'll try and like dial up the intensity and try and kill me and I'll just tap them in like five seconds that time and then they get even more mad and by the end of it they're super demoralized like 
look, when you're a white belt fighting a black belt, your intent should not be to try to win. <laughs> and you should definitely not have your ego so attached to this that if you lose, you're going to be emotionally devastated. Like, really, you need to look at even defeat as an opportunity to be grateful. So even if you go into a competition... You want to be grateful even if you lose. Now, that is not to say that you want to try to lose or that losing should be part of your goal, but even a loss can be an opportunity. Pouting about a loss is not productive, but looking at a loss as an opportunity to get better and being thankful to the other person for giving you that opportunity, that is productive. And that's what gratitude is all about. That's right. I mean... I've done my fair share of losing in tournaments, uh, and now that I'm black belt, it seems to happen more than ever. But um, yeah, being being upset about it to the point where, like, you can be upset about something if it motivates you to get better or to take a logical path to improvement. Mm-hmm. Like, I did this wrong, therefore I need to make this adjustment. That's that's healthy. That's a good thing. Uh, getting mad about it, as in I suck, I'm never gonna get any, you know. Um, I'm never going to get better or I'm mad at the other guy because he beat me or whatever, or even in the gym, you know, if there's that guy that beats you and and it's pissing you off and playing mental games on you, that's, I don't want to say it's a sign of weakness, but it kind of is because you can't, it's something that needs to be overcome essentially. and, And you basically need to just embrace that. Um, so we're talking about basically an antonym for schadenfreude, which is a German word for the pleasure of other people's pain or discomfort. Yes. Um, so it, is there a word for for being happy for someone's success? I can't really think of it. I mean, kind of gratitude, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, I, I but know what you mean. It's a little different though. Isn't that being thankful for something? Yeah, instead? yeah, yeah. I'd have to think about it. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's a word or a term for it. But it is such an important part of life. One of the critical things to develop for yourself is an abundance mindset and to realize that it's not about taking away other people's opportunities. It is about building new opportunities for yourself and for everyone. And Matt, you gave a great example about the gym down the street. You know, it's very easy to get competitive or pissed off if there's a competing gym down the street and to want to run them out of town. But at the end of the day, Like, this is not necessarily a zero-sum game. If we all do a great job of providing quality instruction and working together as a unit, like, rather than focusing on trying to steal each other's students, it's way better if we grow jujitsu as a whole. Because if the pie gets bigger, then all of us get more, right? Even if 10 other jujitsu gyms come into town that you're competing with, if the number of students goes up by like a hundred, the math is still in your favor. So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily productive to be overly focused on your competition. And that also prevents you from succeeding a lot of the time. Because if you're so focused on what the guy in the next lane is doing, then you're not focused on your own success. Exactly. You've got to be focused on uh, on basically achieving your own success and, and even helping others with their success and being happy for their success. Even sometimes if it comes at the expense of your own, at least then they've given you a learning opportunity. They've given you a chance to succeed and to, to see and understand your weaknesses. And that has value and you should be thankful for that. That's right. Like, especially if you're a gym owner or, you know, a martial arts instructor, generally you wear a lot of hats as a gym owner and you are very much visible by a lot of different people. You know, you're kind of the sales rep of the school. When you go to tournaments, you're the representation, whether you're a competitor or a coach, how you conduct yourself um, is noticed by the community and 
your business practice or practices are also noticed by the community and your students. So if you're someone who's not happy for other people's success, it's going to get noticed. If you're someone who's humble and someone who is genuinely pleased to see other people succeed, um, then that is actually a really great thing. And pe- that's, uh, I think it's a virtuous quality that a lot of people do take notice of and, uh, they want to be surrounded by people like that. That is, that is something that people, uh, I think really appreciate and it's refreshing uh, and it's pretty much the opposite of being selfish. Yeah. You don't want to be that coach who's at a tournament and is constantly heckling the other teams and throwing a fit when your guy loses. Like you don't want to do that. You don't want to be that guy because to your point, Matt, not only does it make you look bad, not only does it make you feel bad personally, but it reflects poorly on your entire team and also on the martial art as a whole. The best coaches are the ones who smile and congratulate the other guy and thank the other guy and use that opportunity to build relationships and learn rather than continuing a fight that's already over, right? That's not productive behavior. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you don't want to be gratitude. You don't want to, so there, there's going to be times when someone gives you something and you don't need to be gra- uh, show gratitude. Like for instance, China gave the world COVID-19. Really <laughs> yeah. Grateful for that. This is not a situation where you want to be grateful, but I mean, all, all the same <laughs> Thanks, though, China. but all the same, I mean, we can use this opportunity rather than focusing on that. Like, let's get through this thing together. And then we can talk about like what could have been done to prevent this thing. It's if we're overly focused on blame throwing, right? It can prevent you from actually solving problems and experience growth. There's a time and a a place for coming up with solutions, uh, like long-term solutions and addressing behavior. But this kind of, again, ties into, I mean, gratitude is maybe not the best word for this particular type of problem, but I I know exactly what you mean, Matt. Like it's not everything is a gift. (laughs) Well, Steve, I I would never say that China was negligent and unleashed a plague upon the world. I'm not, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that through their government, they allowed wet markets to, uh, allow the, the exchange of dangerous animal products that led to this virus. And now we all have to not work and the economy could be collapsed. I'm not going to say that. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're not going to. So let's talk about that particular situation a bit. We, we definitely. Well, that's a joke because I said it. It's, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not so subtle. We got it. We got to do something about those wet markets. Um, that's a, yeah, that's a real problem. I, I hope. Have you seen some of the videos of those? It's, it's, it's insane. It's, it's not good. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the thing is this happened back with SARS where the wet markets were kind of like, I, I don't want to spread misinformation because I'm not super studied on this, but my understanding is that when SARS broke out, this was kind of at least tangentially related to the problem. So they closed all of the wet markets, but then they reopened them later and now look what happened. So I hope now that they've closed them again, that this is a learning experience and we just don't open those up again. It's just not worth it. And that's one thing that hopefully everyone's learned in this situation. But Hygiene is important. Aren't those markets sort of spawned out of poverty though? Like poverty for the people selling the products. Well, I say products very loosely. It's very... uh, unhygienic and I kind of want a pangolin to be honest I kind of want a pangolin like I'd never heard of what of a pangolin prior to this whole thing a pangolin is this animal that they figure this thing might have jumped from to humans I'd never heard of this thing but I saw like pictures and videos of pangolins and they're just the cutest things in the world. Like if not for the fact that they give you COVID-19, I'd probably want one as a pet. Uh, But you're right. Like it's not, this is a good example of where blame throwing is not productive because it's not like the the Chinese farmer's fault. Like they're just trying to feed their family. You can't blame them for that. It's a systematic or systemic problem with the entire economy there. And 
if the problem is if we blame them, then it's likely not going to fix the problem. We're probably going to have to collaborate with them to fix this problem and help them. And that means kind of putting aside grudges and egos and the fact that this whole thing originated from China and kind of getting past that and helping them even if, yes, this thing did come from Wuhan, right? And so, the fact that it's like trust levels between our nation and their nation Really, our culture and their their culture is like at an all-time low yeah. to begin with. And then this happened. So it's like, you know, right now, not a lot of people are, are like in China over here. And we're yeah, just kind yeah, of yeah. stuck in our homes. But at the same time, you're right. I think the best way to to get over this is to just embrace them and yeah. to not, you know, to not, not hate them. Because I think a lot of people right now, there's a lot of anti-Chinese uh, sentiment going on mm-hmm. right now. And I understand, you know, and, and we're Chinese, Steve, but... At the same time, we're, you know, just just alienating them from the rest of the world is not really going to help. In fact, yeah. it's only going to make things worse. Um, yeah, this gi- is, this giving is them an, an, uh, an option or giving them help is something that I think would help. Yeah, if someone like fucks up terribly and you, I mean, obviously if it hurts you, you're going to be upset about their behavior. But if you use that opportunity to basically berate them and blame them, you're just exacerbating the situation. I mean, I know it it feels right in the moment. It might even be justified, but the problem is it's not productive. And part of having a positive mindset is being able to understand when being right is not as important as being helpful. <laughs> and I think this is one situation where I hope that once we get this thing under control, the the plan is not to basically blame China and publicly berate and shame China. It's far more productive to embrace them and to help them fix this problem. Like it's it happened, it's behind us. Let's use this as a learning experience so that it doesn't happen again. Uh, that's that's kind of how you can turn bad attitude into gratitude, right? You you take and actually this is something that is a great tool for crisis management. I've always felt that if you're dealing with someone who has a really bad attitude and or they're causing problems. The best strategy is to work with them to create an environment of gratitude. So, for example, if at work, you know, you have a difficult a difficult coworker, rather than just like directly confronting them, if you help them and you get on the same page together and you use that as an opportunity that you can be collectively grateful for learning together, then it's going to be better for everyone at the end of the day. It is possible to take someone's bad attitude and turn that into a mindset of gratitude. And that helps you as well. And it'll strengthen your bond too. Exactly. I mean, you know, they like brotherhoods are born in foxholes, right? When we have very, very difficult shared circumstances like we're currently going through right now, this is an opportunity for us to grow stronger together. So we can use this current crisis that we have to develop a mindset of gratitude towards the people around us and to put past bygones behind us, right? I mean, we all fuck up at some point and I I hope that rather than being unproductive about that, we use this opportunity to bridge relationships back to where they probably should have been in the first place. Yeah, um, you, you use the the example of the workplace, which I think is really good. Um, the, another example would be like even just in home life, like with your spouse, you know, fighting with your like I'm a pretty stubborn motherfucker, and when I when <laughs> when something goes wrong, whether it's uh, my my problem or my wife's problem, that's sort of my wife's fault or my fault that starts the fight. Sometimes I can be overly stubborn and. I tend to hold grudges a little bit too much. And I find that sometimes, you know, if, if my wife does something and it's her fault and I'm pissed off about it, one of the worst things I can do is keep talking about how I'm right and yeah, she's yeah. wrong. Um, and that that's difficult to look inside if you're a stubborn person and say, okay, you know what? 
we need to we need to fix this. It's not about me being mad at you anymore. It's about it, we've gone through that. Let's let's patch this up. And one of the best ways you can do that is show gratitude to the person. So, you know, if if that situation happens at my house, <clears throat> a lot of the time what I'll do is I'll just start telling my wife, "Hey, you know what? Like you're a really great mother. You're a really great wife. I love how you do this." Um Another thing I do with my wife is I tell her things that I've learned from her. Like, you know, because of you, I'm a much better father. I've learned Mm -hmm. a lot about parenting from you. I'm grateful for that. And this is a really great way to just sort of patch up the hole. And you both realize, hey, you know what? Nobody's perfect. We're in this together. We're on the same team. We have common goals. And let's come together rather than fight. And uh, for people, especially for people who are stubborn, uh, it can be difficult to do this. And just like we were talking about earlier, how... For people like that are uh, maybe they don't even realize it's difficult for them to feel happy for others, um, you know that that is like a muscle that needs to be worked as well to be able to say, hey, you know what, that person's doing well. For I should not be, uh, you know, I should not feel threatened by that. I shouldn't be upset by that. I should be happy for that person, and that is a muscle that needs to be worked. And sometimes it goes right against your. Um, it goes right against your nature because as humans, we, we do tend to be envious sometimes and we do tend to be jealous and, you know, we want more always, we always want more, but it takes, you know, it, it takes a little bit of uh, self-reflection to be able to look inside and say, hey, you know what? Good job. Like you, that is awesome. Now I'm motivated to do better and we can both do better. It doesn't mean I need to take something off your plate. Yeah. Yeah. It's when you're in an argument, it's very, very attractive to use that as an opportunity to dress down or defeat the other person. But the interesting thing is that in, you know, unless you're in a debate, like an actual formal debate, the objective should not be to defeat the other person. It should be to get on the same page and work together with the best possible solution. So I I love the example that you gave. And the problem is if you just confront someone directly and you basically tell them a hundred reasons why they're wrong, like human psychology dictates that people are just going to get entrenched and defensive. Um, You know, we talked in the episode with Rob about cognitive dissonance where people try to change their beliefs to um, to basically retroactively justify their behaviors and they do that because of cognitive dissonance. It is mentally uncomfortable for people to be in a state where they've done something that does not align with their beliefs. So if someone makes a mistake, usually they'll bend over backwards to justify it. And if you just keep berating them and telling them you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're just going to damage the relationship and it doesn't even matter if you were right. Like, it's not productive at that point. You're basically playing a lose-lose game. And what you should be focused on when you're in that state, like, when you get to a point where you can tell that the other party is entrenched, it's better to just switch to um, an attitude of gratitude, where if you basically say, as you said, Matt, like, hey, look, I really appreciate where you're coming from with this. I'm thankful that you take this so seriously. I'm thankful for your contributions. I've learned so much from you. Like gratitude is like, it's almost like an instant inoculation against arguments. It's like a medicine. Yeah. If you provide someone gratitude, it will almost immediately kill whatever argument is going on. And that is super important, not just for life, but also in gym drama, right? I mean, for whatever reason, drama and jujitsu go hand in hand. (laughs) I I do not quite know why, but it is definitely the case. Especially because we're literally in here simulating murder on each other to the brink of death and then we stop or 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 limb limb breakage and then at the end we we all hug and shake hands and talk about how awesome it was especially if that same guy's creaming you every day in the gym it's like yeah you're gonna 
even if you're the most humble person, you're probably going to have a little bit of resentment towards that person because they keep beating you. Yeah. But keep in mind, they are making you better and there's things that you can learn from them. So it's better to be happy for them and remember that their goals are also somewhat your goals. If yeah. they get better, you get better and vice versa. So that is sort of, uh, you know, common goals in the gym and being able to put it, put your, uh, you know, your instincts of jealousy aside and being uh, grateful to have that person around. Yeah. Like we say, you want to raise the level in the room. I mean, it is not comfortable to be getting smashed repeatedly by people, but that is how you get better. If you were the best person in the room all the time, you're just not going to get better. In order to get better, you need to be challenged repeatedly. And if you are the best, most experienced guy, one of the best things that you can do is try to elevate the rest of the room as well right and if you're the person who's more junior and you're getting creamed you have to realize that that resistance is what is going to ultimately make you stronger and you need to be thankful for that i mean a a practice that i have is when i do get tapped out or just demolished i mean i always afterwards i smile and i tell the other person what a great job they did and i specifically say what they did well like I, i compliment them and i say man like your side control was awesome i could not move out of there and if I think it's helpful or like if I don't understand what they did, I'll even stop and ask them, how how did you do that? <laughs> you know, how, um, That's the most productive atti- attitude to have because you're basically turning everything into a positive experience, both for yourself and for your partner. Um, that kind of attitude is what I think allows you and it also kind of prevents you from mm-hmm. being afraid of these challenging situations, right? If you are afraid of getting smashed by someone, you're going to avoid that situation and that's going to deny you an opportunity to learn and get better. Whereas if you, you're always smiling and you're thankful and you're grateful and you tell them what a great job they did, it makes the situation less scary for both you and the other person, right? And then you'll be happy to go in there and just get demolished by someone. So I always recommend that whenever you get just wrecked always like smile thank the person tell them what a great job they did and feel free to ask questions about how they did it well you know you know what time it is steve hammer time i think we got to show some gratitude to each other okay all right i'll tell you a few things that i'm grateful that for that you do okay all right run the podcast (laughs) (laughs) exactly what i was going with i'm grateful that you pretty much run the podcast all the marketing stuff all the technological stuff you do uh all the equipments sourcing and ordering and all that stuff um pretty much anything administrative you do i do a few social media posts and i do some articles but i'd say the majority of the work is your part and also introducing me to jujitsu. Ah, well, I'm. I will counter that. Then I am grateful that you have so much knowledge that you can bring to the podcast. Because as a hobbyist who keeps very little time on the mat, relatively speaking, I often don't know the best information. So I thank you for bringing legitimacy to the podcast and also introducing me to great resources like Stefan Kesting and Rob Bernacki, and also teaching me the way of the taint, which has proven to be very effective against opponents of any size, gender, or amount of clothing you see that folks that little back and forth that wasn't overnight (laughs) relationships take time um but yeah i just to tie that all up i mean gratitude is you don't have to wait for a bad thing to happen to use gratitude as a tool i mean i generally think that you should everyone should make a point of 
expressing gratitude to someone in their life at least once or twice a day. Like it's just, it's a really, really good practice to just get into the habit of doing just like any sort of exercise. You're, instead of exercising your body or your mind, you're exercising your relationships. And man, in a time like this, that is more important than anything, right? We've got to stick together as a team, as a family, and strengthening our relationships is the most important thing we can do when most of us are basically locked in our houses. Yeah. Like I, uh, we're, we're pretty lucky to have some pretty good parents growing up and they're still together. And, um, you know, I think only once you have children, do you realize how much gratitude is owed to your parents? I mean, assuming you're, you know, your, your parents didn't abandon you or there's a lot of people out there that don't have the greatest parents. So I'm not speaking on, on their behalf, but if you had good parents, like, man, parenting is such a sacrifice. It Mm -hmm. is crazy. Especially right now, now that we're sort of locked in at home and you know, you have a, you have a daughter, I have a daughter and a son and the, uh, the amount of work that goes into parenting, man, Oh man! like I, I can't even write articles for the podcast because I can't even think like, because yeah, I've got this three-year-old constantly tugging at my leg. Like I literally cannot think it is a, just a, an incredible experience. I mean, it makes you think like, I can tell you like the hardest day I've ever had at work is still easier than the easiest day I have at home taking care of the kid. Like it is such a constant drag on your attention. It is so hard to to take care of children and we yeah. don't appreciate that enough in our society. No, it's true. And like, um, you know, we tend to, I don't want to say use up our parents, but we do use them of their resources and their knowledge. Yeah. And then unfortunately, a lot of the time, once we leave home and they get too old, we put them in homes and it's yes. really... I think that that's actually a, a a thing in society that we don't talk about enough is how parents just get thrown into homes yeah. and you know I'm I, I'm not really a huge fan of that um, but uh, showing the proper gratitude to your parents because they raised you is like like whenever I see mom and dad now I'm just like. Um, you know, I feel like I owe you so much more than when I, you know, yeah. let's say I graduated high school, for example, when I was like, I want to get the hell out of here. I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to see you anymore type thing. You know, things got pretty bad at times, but now that I have kids, it's like, oh my God, like yeah, the, the sacrifices that, you, that my parents made for us is just absolutely it's, unreal. It's right? ridiculous. And the, the amount of work and attention. And then let me just segue that into, you know, uh, my wife right now, who's on mat leave, like she stays at home with the kids. Does that sound like a lot of work, uh, you know, at face value? Not really. It sounds like you're you're home all day, but fuck, like if you want to get anything done, if you want, you know, just keeping them fed, they're constantly eating. They're constantly having naps and bottles and, and, uh, and needing your attention. If you want to be a good parent, you, you have to give a shitload of attention. Yeah. And it's like, you know, guys, if you're, if your wife is a stay at home mom or vice versa, women, if your husband's a stay at home dad, it's like, make sure that they get the gratitude that they deserve. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I feel like I couldn't give enough gratitude to my wife for the, the hard work that she does. And if, and if, you know, you make her feel loved she'll be a better mother she'll be a better wife Mm -hmm. and and you know the the cycle kind of continues and everything is good whereas if you feel resentful like hey i'm i'm the breadwinner in the family i'm making all the money you're just at home that is a negative way to look at things and uh you're almost painting a, a misrepresentation in your head about how things are really going. Yeah. It is fucking hard being a stay-at-home parent. It is It is so hard. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, you know, I would hear people talk about how, oh, you know, the real job 
is taking care of the kids and taking care of the house. And I, I remember thinking, ah, oh, that's a funny anecdote. But like at this point in my time, getting close to 40, having now done both of those jobs where I've had to like go out into the workforce, but I've also had to stay at home with the kids, like it's not even close. <laughs> Raising children and taking care of children is harder than basically any challenge that could possibly be presented to you. I mean, freaking daycare people and like teachers are saints. They should be paid more than doctors. Like it is incredible the amount of sacrifice and service and, and love that they provide to the community. Yeah. I don't know how single parents do it. I don't understand. I it. always think about that when it's, when I have to look after, like maybe my wife will go take a nap or she's going to go run errands and I'm alone with the kids. It's like, Fuck, like imagine, imagine someone who needs to work and take care of their kids, like even just getting both kids bathed, fed and put down to sleep is crazy. That's that's like, you're talking about like three to four hours of work right there. It is ridiculous. I mean, I remember, you know, back when I was single, like my house was always spotlessly clean because it took no effort to clean it. But like now... You can start cleaning the house. <laughs> Never yeah, you can start cleaning the house and the house is messy before you finish cleaning. Yeah. Like it's like there's a little tornado following you just remessing everything. Like today when I was showering, I was just thinking like it would be nice if I could just clean the shower, but I don't have time. Yeah. Like there's no way it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, everything is dirty and I, I just can't keep everything clean because it is so much work. And and what to kind of sandbox this though, I mean, I hope that no one comes out of this thinking that like we're saying it's bad to have kids or we don't not at all that is not at all because if there's one thing i mean other than of course my family or my wife and my my parents if there's one thing that i am ultimately grateful for it is my daughter every sacrifice is absolutely worth it i look forward to making these sacrifices for her and i'm i'm grateful for her every single day but it is a shit ton of work. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Fuck. Yeah, it's it's tricky, man. But there is a lot of, I think, uh, like if, if you look in the media and things like that, there's a lot of uh, subliminal, you know, oh, it's a lot of work to have kids or, oh, we, sh- we, we shouldn't have too many. We shouldn't have kids because we need to control the population. It's going to be so expensive to have kids. You know? You know, having kids is like the greatest thing that ever happened to me. So we are not discouraging people from having kids. And it is... Yeah, quite the opposite, actually. Truthfully, I don't even think it is as expensive as they say. Like, it's easy for them to be like, oh, over the the lifetime of a child, it's going to cost, what, like a half a million or a quarter million? It's like, yeah... That, if you say it like that, that's a good way to deter someone from from having a child. But it's actually day to day, not that expensive. What you do is you pay in time. That yeah, is, yeah. The the, the currency it, is time for sure. At least up to where I am. I mean, my you know my kid is three, and I agree one hundred percent. The financial cost has not been high. The cost of time has yeah. been very high. At least if you want to be a good parent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now, granted, I mean, when when she turns like eighteen and goes to university, my tune may change here because I'm sure that's a completely different ordeal. But at this point in time, when she's three, it hasn't been as expensive as I thought The the main currency I've had to pay in is time for sure. I'm banking on the hopes that maybe my kids won't want to go to post-secondary school and they'll just want to run the jiu-jitsu school. <laughs> but unfortunately, I think that's probably a far cry. Um, it could happen. Um, I mean, we could talk all day about how post-secondary school has kind of become hijacked and and people think that you need to go to post-secondary now like i'm saving for my kids post-secondary education but god i'm hoping they don't have to do that i'm hoping they would just like maybe become entrepreneurs and do something they want to do without having to spend tens of thousands of dollars on on careers and i think a lot of young parents are sort of coming up with that right now yeah i'm i'm in agreement on that and i mean i i hate to say it because 
educa- it's a social construct. Yeah, it like really ed- is. education is is fantastic, but you don't necessarily need to get education in the form that society packages up for you, right? And especially now where the costs of education are just absolutely runaway, it's something that you have to think about. Like you shouldn't just take it for granted. And this is an example of where it's sometimes good to question common sense wisdom. Um, yes, it is true that you can get a lot of benefit and a lot of value out of having post-secondary education, but it's not guaranteed. And don't let anyone ever convince you that it is. Like, it it might help you a lot. For a lot of people, it does, but it is not a guarantee. And you need to do your research on this. Depending on what you're taking, you need to question whether it's valuable. I mean, if you want to be like a doctor or... If you're in STEM or law or, you know, any trade, fine. I get that. Yeah, but if you are are going for that, like, PhD in philosophy, I would maybe consider you to rethink that. (laughs) Nothing against philosophy, but probably those are going to be debts that you're carrying for decades to come with very minimal value. So just saying. And minimal value, not like... Like, you know, you could go to school for, for a course that enriches your life and your knowledge, but... I think what's more important, especially in these trying times, is thinking, okay, once I finish school, what's the end goal? Like, is there going to be a job waiting for me? Is mm-hmm. there going to be something that I have to go to? Or is am I just going to dedicate a few years to this and then I'm going to be in a massive heap of debt and there's not really anything available to me or I'm going to be stuck in a position that I don't even want to do? You know, yeah, that yeah. could be a whole episode. Yeah, I actually think that probably the next one or one of the upcoming ones that we'll do might be an episode on a topic like entrepreneurship and how to. The reason being is because although it's not technically related to jujitsu, we're in a point in time where this stupid virus is affecting all aspects of life. And I think that if there's ever been a time to strike out on your own and try to do something, like this is a once in a generation opportunity because all other options for some people are taken off the table. Probably in many situations, the government is going to step in to help you foot your bills. For many people, this is going to be the best shot you ever get at creating your own business. And I think that maybe it's worth talking about that in more detail because although that is not specifically jujitsu related, like the reality is every jujitsu gym in the world right now either is closed or should be closed. So this is an opportunity to start thinking outside of the box for other ways to make money. Mm-hmm. We yep. should probably talk about jujitsu at some point in this episode. Yeah, yeah, we probably should. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but really, every- I hope it's been good for our yeah. listeners. <laughs> but really, everything that we've talked about, like we've provided examples, but they all can apply to jujitsu just as well, right? Like if in a competition, for example, again, you want to use even defeat as an opportunity to build relationships and learn and be thankful for your opponent for challenging you. If you have someone at the gym that you're fighting with or you're having drama with, the best way to defeat that situation is to have a conversation with them that is not combative, but where you express genuine gratitude for what they've presented to you. And even if you don't necessarily agree with what they're saying, you can at least be grateful that they're challenging you and challenging your ideas, right? I mean, I've had this conversation before where with a coworker, we're just not on the same page and it's clear we're never going to get on the same page, but I can still tell them look, clearly you're coming at this from one angle and I'm coming at this from another. And I don't know if we're ever going to be able to agree, but I'm grateful that we can have these open conversations and that we can challenge each other with new ideas. And I respect your opinion and your standpoint. And that alone, having that kind of respect for the other party, we did a whole episode on what a difference that can make both for your relationships and for your own personal growth. I got to pee. I can't for crying out loud. Okay. Uh, let's see. How long are we in onto this episode? <laughs> 
Okay, Matt can, you know what? I'm going to plug the Patreon while Matt pees. Now we're like literally right next to the bathroom. So you guys might get like a lot of this. I mean, I thought you'd pause it. Jesus Christ. I'm not going to pause it. No, no, no. I never pause it when Matt goes to the bathroom. This is basically part of the show now. So uh, just talking quickly about the Patreon, we put out a note on this. We also put out a note on social media, and we've, of course, talked about this on other podcasts. So, of course, with what is happening out in the, the real world, you know, a lot of gyms, Matt's included, mine included, have been closed. Um, my wife also, you know, her, her work has basically ground to a halt. So everyone, of course, is financially impacted. And this is, I know, a difficult time to be asking for assistance, but something Matt and I had been planning to do for a long time was to kick off and set off a Patreon so that we could invest more time and effort into the show. And so we did that. And I mean, we have been just completely overwhelmed by the amount of support. I mean, I know that a lot of you guys love the show, but I was really blown away by exactly how much support that we've received. And uh, I mean, if we want to talk about gratitude, I am eternally grateful to all of you and especially those who do support the show because it really is going to, to help us out. Uh, we're definitely committed to keeping this thing running and, and there's the toilet. Okay, I think we're good. We're definitely committed to keeping this thing running as long as we can. I mean, we don't know if there's going to be a, um, like a shelter-in-place order like there has been in parts of the states. We'll try to come up with something remote. But one way or the other, I mean, quality might go down during this time, but we're going to keep the, end, the, the lights on and we're going to keep giving you quality content. And in fact, we want to step up the schedule of content in the near future as well. Um, again, though, you know, the, we, we're so thankful for your support. We're not at the point yet where we can say that we're anywhere close close to being basically comfortable. Uh, so if there's anything that you can do, oh God, right in the middle of the plug. If there's anything that you guys can do to support us, if you haven't already, we do appreciate it tremendously. You can go to patreon.com slash BJJ Mental Models. Again, that's patreon.com slash BJJ Mental Models. We offer multiple tiers where you get a series of benefits and bonuses and extra content depending on the amount that you contribute. Again, please do prioritize your own well-being and your own family first and foremost, but any support that you can provide to the show during this time will really help Matt and I be able to focus on creating and maintaining this content for you. Matt, how was the piss? Oh God. When you hold it that long, it's so good. It's like, I don't understand why. And by that long, I mean like half an hour. I don't understand how <laughs> this happens. Like you went to the bathroom literally right before we recorded and here we are. And all you've had to drink in the meantime that I can tell is like some coffee. No, I've been downing liquids, man. I drink a shitload of liquids. Okay. Drink, uh, drink a lot of water, people. I mean, we've got to keep our immune system strong right now. Water is good for you. I mean, don't drown yourself in it, but make sure that you get a lot of water. You stay hydrated. That's really important for your health. So is coffee. I've also been drinking more alcohol during this lockdown. I know you haven't been Steve, but I, I've been drinking more beers and, and, uh, and, uh, as a coping mechanism lots of things yeah. <laughs> yeah um you were thanking the listeners for the patreon yeah 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 i'm i i actually yeah i can assure you i have not been spending the patreon money on booze i'm basically <laughs> i'm basically dry at this point because since i'm an old ass man whenever i drink i feel miserable and i've also heard that alcohol is not great for your immune system so i've i've been off the sauce for a while yeah they still haven't closed liquor stores so we're good i don't think they will i think that's one thing that is going to be open like rain or shine there could be like dresden and bombings going on here and the liquor store would still be open i'm not even a drinker but lately i've been finding myself drinking <laughs> but all jokes aside guys uh, uh yeah like steve said pretty much everything but uh, again thank you so much um for your donations we've seen it uh we've been watching it grow it's really um encouraging for us and motivating and um rewarding to be able to see that 
there's actually like a monetary value uh, associated with the the work that we're putting in and that there are people out there who want to listen to us talk <laughs> yeah. about nerdy stuff. And um, we really can't thank you guys enough, especially in this time. And like Steve said, we know people are getting laid off. Please um, take care of yourself and your family before you ever donate to our podcast. But we do appreciate every uh, dollar that comes in. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Yeah. So just to give a bit of um, visibility, we're going to be using a lot of that money that you've provided to step up the content schedule. Um, in particular, we're looking at things like how can we take all of the stuff that we've done and provide <clears throat> premium content for people that, that really want to laser focus on things like strategy or specific technical stuff uh, or, or just general principles and philosophies. We've also talked about doing like online Q&As and maybe free uh, free virtual seminars for our patrons. That kind of stuff requires a, a cost in terms of equipment and in terms of time, of course. Uh, we've already started buying the equipment that we need to run that. So we're going to try to get that off the ground as soon as we can. Um, but that said, again, you know, there if a quarantine, full quarantine comes into place, we might have to take some shortcuts. But one way or another, we're going to find a way to make sure that we get you guys more stuff to keep everyone busy and sharp during this time. Yeah. And unrelated thing. Remember that I am a uh, a certified Red Seal chef, so I would love to give culinary advice, too, if you guys have questions about cooking or techniques or you know recipes anything like that um i'm totally at your service as well so. yeah it, that actually might be an awesome thing and it is related to jujitsu as well right which is supplementation and diet and health how do you keep your body fueled properly that is a crucially underlooked part of the game, right? I mean, you can have the sharpest technique in the world, but if you're basically a flabby old bastard like me, then what you're going to find is that the the capacity to go is much more limited. So taking care of yourself is super critical. And actually right now, like anything you can do to stay healthy and keep your immune system sharp is key. So maybe that's something that we could definitely focus on. Mm-hmm. Cool. So Matt, any other thoughts on gratitude? Uh, no, just, I think going, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, you know, going through life and, um, being grateful for the little things and the big things and thinking about the people in your life that you see a lot, people that matter to you, like, let them know, you know, yeah. uh, like me and Steve had a nice little brotherly moment, but it could be, you know, with your wife or, or husband, it could be, uh, even your kids, I think would be great letting them know, Hey, you know what? You little bastard, you, you <laughs> caused me a lot of uh, stress and, and you take a lot of work, but God, I love you. And same with the parents, guys. I can't stress enough to please show gratitude to your parents because, uh, and again, I'm not speaking for everyone. You know, maybe someone's up, uh, some of our listeners had bad upbringings, but, um, you know, if you, if you did have a good upbringing, you know, I, the way that I look at it is, is I'm basically indebted to my parents in a way that I can never repay ever. Yeah. Um, the amount of sacrifice that it takes is incredible. And also to all my students, I know some of them listen to the podcast, extremely grateful for them throughout this time. Um, and just in general, uh, and it's a pleasure to be your instructor and, uh, I have the best job ever. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if there's one action item I would suggest to everyone, as soon as they finish listening to this podcast, it's pick up the phone get on or get on FaceTime or whatever and call someone that you normally wouldn't express gratitude to and just tell them you love them. I mean, I know that just, I don't know, maybe it's a cultural thing, but people kind of have trouble expressing their, their love and their gratitude for people. They just kind of, you know, we can just kind of like go on our lives for decades without really telling someone how much they mean to you. Take this opportunity to do that. This is a really dark time in, in our history. Um, but we've got all of the communication tools that we need to keep in touch. So let's make sure that we reach out and we express gratitude for each other. So cool. 
Just to recap uh, some of the mental models that we talked about in this episode. I mean, first and foremost, we talked about the having an abundance mindset. Uh, you don't want to have the kind of mindset where you're constantly worried about other people taking things from you. That's not productive and that runs contrary to gratitude. You want to be thankful for, for even when you're presented with a challenge, you want to be thankful that you had that opportunity to grow and to be presented with that challenge that's so critical to your long-term growth and also to building quality relationships. We talked about cognitive dissonance. So cognitive dissonance is kind of the mental state where your beliefs and your actions are not really aligned. So if someone makes a mistake, a lot of the time they get uncomfortable because if they do something that runs contrary to what they believe is the right thing to do, they're going to feel bad about it. And if you just berate them and use that opportunity to really blame them for what they've done, it's not going to be productive towards solving that problem. The best thing to do is express gratitude that you guys now have the opportunity to get on the same page and mend those relationships. You want to use opportunities of crisis to express gratitude for other people so that you can mend a relationship and work collaboratively on a solution rather than just, you know, making the relationship even worse than it was before. We t- um, Matt, what on earth are you doing? Are you taking photos? I don't know. Matt's, are you, Matt's capturing the I'm moment. looking at porn while we're doing this. <laughs> Should we tell the story of what you did to our aunt? <laughs> Yes, we should actually. Let's do that. Wait, well, why don't you finish your thing? Okay, first? okay. We'll we'll finish the thing. We talked we talked about raising the level in the room, which basically means that hey, look, when you're the best guy in the room, the best way to improve the quality of your training is to raise the quality of your opponents. But conversely, if you're the guy who's always the nail and everyone is better than you, you want to be grateful for that opportunity because it allows you to stay ex- sane. Yeah. <laughs> it, it allows you to experience growth, uh, but it also allows you to stay sane. And the best thing to do when you are the nail is to be thankful to your opponent verbally and tell them what they did right. Tell them you're thankful for having such quality opposition to train with. And last but not least, of course, we talked about Mm -hmm. growth from discomfort. The way that you grow is by facing challenges and adversity. And if you want to develop a positive mindset where you are not afraid of challenges, be grateful for those challenges. Because even though challenge can suck, even though times can be hard, these are the opportunities where we can grow and bond together. So if nothing else, regardless of what happens, we can be grateful for that. So now, Matt, let's talk about how you sent hardcore porn to our aunt by accident. Oh, God, you ruined the punchline. <laughs> so so in light of this toilet paper shortage, I have um, I have ordered a bidet attachment um, because it saves toilet paper and it feels good. So <laughs> I've heard that they're very good for the old butthole. How do you dry off? That's the thing I don't understand. You still need toilet paper. Okay. So you just, just... you're not using toilet paper and over and over again. I still haven't received it, by the way, so I'm not giving a positive review yet. But um, yeah, because I see these idiots fighting over toilet paper. I've seen these bidets getting, uh, they're probably making a killing right now. Um, and they're still delivering, I believe. So the one that I got is from a website called Tushy. Okay. And and I, I figured, okay, well, you know, we were FaceTiming with uh, the family last night. It was my daughter's birthday. And my aunt and uncle were there. They were talking about the toilet paper shortage. So I'm like, hey, by the way, we bought a bidet attachment and we're waiting for it to arrive. And yeah, you know, it could save money on toilet paper. So we're not, and it's also apparently more hygienic. It makes sense because it, it washes it away. Um, blah, blah, blah. My aunt's like, yeah, that's great. Well, where'd you get it from? Oh, okay. I'll send you the information. So I email www.tushy.com 
And then I get an email back saying, Matthew, how, you should be ashamed you're sending me hardcore porn. <laughs> the website is actually hellotushy.com. <laughs> so uh, I don't even know if I, we're kind of giving them a plug for free here. Hellotushy.com, H-E-L-L-O-T-U-S-H-Y.com. And uh, yeah, the, hopefully, hopefully it will be as pleasant as it is economically and environmentally sound what i want to know is can can you provide a review of this hardcore porn site <laughs> i mean yeah i'm sure porn sites right now are making a killing i know i think it's Pornhub is offering a free premium pre- subscription which is fucked because if you need a premium subscription where you pay money for <laughs> porn right now like porn is the most free uh you know accessible thing ever also, one, you know, take take this an episode pe- on pornography. <laughs> take this piece of advice from someone who is like a data protection specialist. If there's one site that you don't want to give your personal information and your email and your credit card number to, it is like a porn or like an Ashley Madison type site. <laughs> this is not going to end well. I mean, nothing against Pornhub. I'm sure that they're a wonderful business, but yeah, they're I'm really great. They're really, uh, you know, <laughs> I would not want them to have my like email out address on file in case they have a data breach or something. I'm just saying that right now. Yeah. And okay. guys, there's so much free porn. Like, you don't be, how bad is your, you know, stop watching porn. Yeah. Hey, I look, get it. It's addictive. It's not good for you. Whatever money you were going to give to Pornhub, give to us instead. <laughs> yes. Go to our Patreon. We will give you much more productive content than you would get on Pornhub. Yeah. You know, and you, and uh, I'm, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> we could go on and on. We could go on and on about porn and its negative effects. But yeah, let's just. Okay. All right. So let's see here. Maybe they want us to talk about porn. I don't know. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Well, you know, the thing is, if our patrons say they want us to talk about porn, we're kind of hamstrung. Like these people are paying us money. So that's true. Yeah. yeah, If you guys, if to the patrons out there, if you want us to talk about porn, just let us know. Um, Anyway, I got a question here, Matt, for you. Okay. Okay. Here you go. So I just wanted to get in touch with you and to let you know that both my brother and I enjoy your podcast and I have been listening since episode one. There is great value in it and both my brother and I are really seeing the benefit and a lot of the systems you speak about brought by Rob and reinforced by you guys. I was aware of the concepts since the start of my jujitsu journey a few years back. We are both blue belts. Having started out with Stefan's ebook and Rob's apps, and it got refreshed for me again in your early episodes. But hmm. listening to episode 51 with Rob again is really making it sink in more. Is that the uh, that, uh, the core cons? Or no, alignment? Actually, 2.0? 51 was the one where we talked about ethics, which is interesting. Yeah. Hmm. My, anyway, my <laughs> brother and I have been having some offline conversations on the likes of turning frames into levers. And I think, as you pointed out in the episodes, having the vocabulary to assign to some of this stuff makes it extra good and likely to stick as we progress onto our journey. Absolutely. Definitely. That's why we do it. Yep. Niceties aside, the other reason for my email was to let you know that about a podcast, both of us started a couple of months ago called The Salt. In it, we are attempting to win the Masters Worlds this year. I'm, I'm guessing not anymore. You're not. Uh, well, what, no, I guess. What do you mean? So basically, I guess these two guys are going for like a run in Masters and they're, they're I think they're documenting the journey here. Um, although that might change significantly now. Oh because yeah, because there might not be a Masters. Exactly. Right, so, okay. Uh, and Fuck, it, stupid virus. I fucking forgot I, about that. I whole hate thing. this fucking virus. Um, anyway, he says, with my brother's exploration of a behavioral design concept he has been working on, he is a theoretical psychologist finishing up his PhD this year. Thought you would be interested in it as my brother really does take a systems-based approach to behavior and it's changing. And
and with the parallels in how you talk about jujitsu, I thought you might appreciate the crossover. I know you would like to talk about habits too, which is another area he is well versed in and speaks on quite a bit. Listening to your podcasts is refreshing and the brotherly dynamic works well, and I think it probably had a subtle influence on us doing what we are doing. Cool. Anyways, just thought I would share now versus when the year is said and done. If you have a chance to listen, if not, keep up the good work. Would love to hear you talk on game planning at some stage. Stefan spoke about it recently on his podcast where he kind of veered white and new blue belts away from knowing a game, instead focusing on technique learning. Interesting. Um, but having been at this a little longer and up, uh, approaching potentially the mid-ladder stages of blue belt, trying to find one's game can be a bit discombobulating. Mm -hmm. Also, sequencing is something my brother is interested in, and it would be nice to hear about it spoken in long form. For example, should one get fully versed in, say, staying in base and removing their opponent's base before the move onto getting posture right and only one space posture and structure or sorted should someone move on to frames and levers and so on so uh, i mean i think yeah. it's kind of all needs to happen at once to be honest yeah yeah a lot lot to unpack there i mean first and foremost let's give the let's give these guys a plug so they've okay. got they've got a podcast called the salt i mean i mean granted maybe the situation has changed since they sent this in because obviously if if the podcast is intended to document a journey to master's worlds that things at a halt right now things may have changed um but anyway yeah take a look and let us know what you think happy to give listeners a plug if they've got similar content that our other listeners would enjoy um to your point though regarding the sequencing of things like how what do you learn in what order i think it's hard to say learn based first then learn posture then learn structure it doesn't really work that way like yeah. all all three of these things kind of apply in tandem that's sort of the whole point of the framework think of like a table with three legs right you take out one of those legs and it loses all of its stability so really it is like you said steve it's in tandem it's you want to learn all three at once but that's not to say that you can't focus on when something will apply. Like when yeah. I started training with Rob, I would have these breakthroughs every few weeks where I'd be like, hey, you know what? Like I'm really starting to, to think about accessing levers and, and activating levers so that I can control portions of my opponent's body with the levers. It doesn't mean that I just focused on that for a week or, you know, I just focused on base. It's a constant, every time you roll, they're all there. Posture structure base exists everywhere. But, um, you know, you can have breakthroughs now and then will you be like, oh, that's where I can access the lever or that's, oh, okay, now I know how to off balance my opponent in a way that I didn't before. Um, th the realizations that I was coming to was I was already doing jujitsu at, you know, like a, I'd say like a low purple belt level by the time I met Rob. And then once he started teaching me the con the alignment concepts, um, I would, uh, I would have these aha moments where I would apply these concepts in positions that I was very familiar with, but I hadn't thought about how these concepts applied to the positions. So it gave me a whole new outlook on the position and a whole new outlook on how to make my opponent vulnerable from my favorite positions. So that's sort of how those moments happened for me. It wasn't like, oh, I need to only focus on po breaking posture. I need to only focus on breaking structure or base individually. It's more about understanding how alignment holistically uh, is applied to jujitsu at all times. Yeah, I really love the example you gave about a table. You can't really have a table without all of the legs, right? You kind of need them all together. I think if you want to talk about sequencing, 
meaning what order do you learn things in. I would say rather than thinking about it in terms of like learning base first, then posture first, then structure first, I would say think about it in terms of learning the concepts first. So really learn like what does alignment mean? How does that reflect on your body and what you're doing? Like really what do base posture structure mean? What What is a lever? Why do you want a lever? What is a wedge? Why would you use a wedge? What What is a frame? Why would you use a frame? And then once you have all of that in your head, that's the foundation. That's step one. From there, as Matt said, you can now build on top of that knowledge and you can start looking at specific examples, right? And specific techniques. So you can look at an arm bar and you can say, oh, here's how an arm bar works. Here's how that maps back to all of those core concepts. And then from there, once you've mastered individual techniques, you can start thinking about sequences or strategies, right? And then once you get really advanced, then you can start thinking about general philosophies that tie all of this stuff together. So it's not like you look at one of these things like base or posture or structure in a bubble. You need to look at them all together. And this is something that Josh Waitzkin talks about in The Art of Learning. He talks about the importance of, he calls it making smaller circles. And what he basically means is when you want to learn something new, strip away everything but the core fundamentals that really matter. Master those first and then start adding in the little details and variants and specific techniques on top of that. Yeah. In terms of, I'm not going to go on and on about building a game plan right now, but at, at a blue or white belt level, when you're still trying to put together your game for competition, I'd say, I would really recommend focusing a lot on watching competition roles, especially at the higher levels. Like don't be watching blue belt, um, you know, competitions. Unless you want entertainment, serious entertainment. <laughs> yeah, it, it is very entertaining. Um, but you really, you want to aspire at the highest level. So watch what the black belts do. Watch, watch the positions that they try and get to. And... Um, and also I would compare the the, the competition ju- style jujitsu that you see with the type of jujitsu you see in the gym, right? It will be different. In the gym, is going to be a lot more playing around, a lot looser, uh, a lot less bad intentions. And when you watch competition, everything's going to be tight. You're going to see the same positions over and over again. You're going to see, um, you know, really uh, aggressive and tight jujitsu. So it's, it's, it's a different thing altogether. But definitely watch a lot of competition roles and see where things go. See where where do the grips happen? How does the engagement phase go down? If someone passes a guard, rewind it and watch. Okay, how did they how did they pass the guard in the engagement phase? Like if someone sweeps from the bottom, pay attention to how the person on the bottom wins the engagement phase. These are all the little things that uh, that make your your jujitsu better. Right. And, um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of look at it as when I'm thinking about new concepts or when I was learning the alignment concepts, I was thinking about how it, it's almost like I'm downloading, uh, the information to my brain. And then when it come time to apply the information to situations that I was already familiar with, I almost thought about that, like an installation, like now I'm installing the file. Uh, I've already downloaded it. Now I'm installing it right now. I'm adding it to my game. So it's gonna, it's not going to take, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take time, but, um, that's sort of what I would recommend. Interesting. Watching interesting. competition style jujitsu and seeing what positions they go to. Yeah. I mean, one thing that we can say for certain is everyone's going to have a lot of time to do that over the next few weeks or months. So use that time to study. I mean, that's a really, really great suggestion. Um, yeah. One other thing, just in terms of the email that you sent in. So regarding like 
competition prep strategies or how to build a strategy or how to build a game plan. These are things that we're probably exploring almost as structured courses that we're going to offer to patrons. So at some point, that's probably going to be some of the premium content that we offer is we'll maybe give a little mini series on how to create your own game plan or how to develop a competition strategy or prep for competition. And I would also recommend if there's a certain position or technique or guard that you like, um, try to seek out the person or persons, the be- the best competitors at that position. So if I want to learn lapel stuff, I'm going to go to Keenan. If I want to learn like top pressure passing, I'm probably going to go to a Lucas Le- uh, Lucas Lepre or, or even a Cobrinha or something. If I want to learn Barambolo, I'm going to watch a lot of Meow brothers. I'm going to watch a lot of Mendez brothers, right? So look at the specialists, see what they do. And also realize that when you're, when you're practicing, you know, you're trying to come up with a game plan for yourself and think of what game do I want to do? Um, there's going to be specialists out there. There's going to be guys that just want to do Baron Bolos. There's going to be guys that just want to play close guard or, or just want to be on top, right? So realize that you might not be excellent at everything. You might have to pick something. If you're really good at something, um, that's a good sign that you should pursue that. And then take whatever that is and find the best in the world at it and try and emulate them, see the little tricks that they do and uh, watch them in competition. Definitely. Great advice. Cool. Well, I think we can wrap this one up then. Let's maybe just do the plugs. So again, we already plugged this at the beginning or earlier in the episode anyway, but the best thing you can do to support us right now is go to our Patreon and sign up. The address is patreon.com slash models. Again, more than anything, if you get value out of this show and the content that we provide and you want to see more of it, that's the best place to go to support us. Additionally, you can go to bjjmentalmodels.com. There we've got an online database of all of the concepts that we discuss here on the show. You can also go to bjjmentalmodels.com slash store if you want to pick up merch such as gi patches or t-shirts. You can go to bjjmentalmodels.com slash join where you can sign up for our mailing list. We send out show notes and additional content that's not here on the podcast. And of course, if you want to get in touch with us, we have a contact form on our website, but you can also go to our social on Facebook and on Instagram. You can follow what we're doing and you can reach out and communicate with us there. So again, on the topic of gratitude, we're obviously super grateful for everyone's support and for all of our listeners. Be safe out there, guys. Take care. And we'll talk to you next time. Hope you guys enjoyed the chat. Thanks, guys. Bye. And and now I've got to go pee. So I'm going to go do that. 